Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Having big name star personalities, reputations like Jensen Button, Marcus Erickson, Colton Herta, how do you manage that? How do you bring them in and make it all work? Oh, that's very simple. You deal with every one of them exactly the same. And the one thing that we really look at carefully is we do not want anybody to come onto this team who want to prove to us that they're the quickest because as i said to them in the beginning listen you were hired because of what you do and how fast you are so there's nothing more that you need to prove to us it's a long race and a lot of things happen and this year i think is going to probably be one of the most difficult 24 hours that we've ever seen you know like i say it's not really a rocket science uh, when it comes to running these cars, it's, it's preparation, it's dedication, it's vision, it's passion. And everybody, there's one goal, and that goal is to win. Now we've got what we wanted to have a long time ago. Greetings. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. The 62nd Rolex 24 Daytona is just over a week away, and one of the most accomplished teams of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship will enter the 2024 season at a critical juncture. This is Wayne Taylor's moment. Three in a row. Wayne Taylor Racing wins the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti is a sports car powerhouse with overall victories in four of the last seven runnings of the Rolex 24 at Daytona. The team is modeled in the image of its namesake. Wiley team owner Wayne Taylor is a blunt-talking maverick known for an obsessive attention to detail, an insatiable passion for conquering the longest races in North America, and some memorable interviews and sound bites. So I've become completely neurotic. When I see stuff on the counter, I literally either throw it off or call somebody and say, hey, this place needs to be tidy. So therefore, that bleeds over into the race team. The reaction shots of Taylor writhing in agony and anxiety on the pit timing stand during IMSA races have become as much a staple of his team's image as its reputation for winning. So that's how we run. Every single race is we race to win. Over nearly two decades of racing in the top category of sports car racing, WTR Andretti has won multiple times at all of the sport's most historic venues. Whether Daytona, or Sebring, or Road Atlanta, or Road America, the team has become a perennial championship contender. Perhaps most impressively, Taylor's single-car squad has done it by operating as both a figurative and literal family operation. With sons Ricky and Jordan among the many stars behind the wheel, Taylor's organization has beaten racing icons such as Roger Penske and Chip Ganassi, and often with far fewer people, efficiently maximizing its resources to do a lot with a little, while building some of the fastest, most reliable cars in IMSA. And Wayne Taylor Racing has maintained the success through seismic and seemingly annual changes. After a long-time relationship with Cadillac, Taylor switched to Acura in 2021, and immediately delivered the Honda Racing brand its first Rolex 24 victory. Last year, it began a merger with the Andretti Global IndyCar team, while also making the switchover to the new hybrid prototype LMDH cars of the Grand Touring prototype category. But 2024 will mark WTR Andretti's biggest move yet. The team has added a second full-time Acura ARX06 to compete in the GTP category, while also taking on a new full-time Lamborghini entry in the GTD category, adding to its winning entries in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo lower division. After typically bringing 30 people for past winning efforts in the Rolex 24, Wayne Taylor Racing has a small army of more than 100 
at Daytona International Speedway this weekend. With more trucks, motorhomes, and TV monitors on its timing stands than ever before. It also has more drivers to manage and some of motorsport's biggest names. With eight drivers spread across two entries, WTR Andretti regulars Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque have been joined by new full-timers Louis Delatraz and Jordan Taylor, who returns to his father's operation from his Corvette championships. They will be complemented by an all-star endurance lineup. Formula One veteran Brendan Hartley, IndyCar superstar Colton Herta, 2020-22 Indy 500 winner Marcus Erickson, and 2009 F1 world champion Jensen Button. It might be the deepest driver lineup in this year's Rolex 24 at Daytona, another reason that it seemed a good time to catch up with team owner Wayne Taylor and Travis Hogue, the vice president and general manager of Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti, who joined the team in 2006. We spoke with Hogue and Taylor together over video conference this week while Travis was in the WTR Andretti shop in Brownsburg, Indiana, and Wayne was at his home in the greater Orlando, Florida area. You should have no trouble telling their voices apart. Wayne is a native of South Africa, whose accent is quite distinctive. So here's our conversation with Wayne Taylor and Travis Hogue about the team's growth while entering such a pivotal season. Thanks for joining me, both of you. I think we'll start, Wayne, with what has this offseason been like for you? Uh, adding the second GTP car and then having the expansion of staff that I know you have. Has it just been like a mass hiring spree? How has this offseason gone? Well, I'd say it's been like a whirlwind. I think Travis probably can give you more detail than me, but um, it wasn't like adding another GTP or GTD. It feels like we're actually um, entering the whole grid. It feels like the amount of work and what everybody's done and the hours that everybody's put into this um, seems like it's been a lot bigger than it actually is. But it was one of those things that we decided very early on, right when we started in 2007, was that effectively down the road, what we wanted to become is, is certainly a two-car GTP car. I don't think we had aspirations at that time to be also in GTD, but it sort of fell in our lap and it became part of what we do. You know, Travis started the um, our Lamborghini Super Trofeo series, and so we got into that and ran forecasts for the last couple of years. I think Travis can tell you more about that. But then that dwarfed into Lamborghini coming to us and making the offer for us to run a GTD car as well. So like I think the statistics I like the best is that going to Daytona, we'll have six to eight rigs, 17 um, motorhomes, over 100 people. I think it's 66 TV cameras on the timing stand, 32 workstations. So we've had our work cut out for us. But the amazing part is that um, how fast time has flown since when I think back, you know, we went through uh, Turkey Day, then we had Christmas, then we had New Year, and here we are now, Daytona. I've never known time to have flown like this before. Travis, could I get your take on uh, specifically the numbers uh, that Wayne just described, which certainly sound like they're pretty eye-popping in terms of the number of staff that you have and the trucks and the cameras. What's that been like from your perspective as an executive at Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti? It's, a, it's, it's been fun and interesting all, in the same, all at the same time. We started kind of putting this together the last few years, kind of making our plan going forward. So we had an idea where we were going to try to get people from, um, from the different aspects of racing, from IndyCar, from we have some people that came in from NASCAR. So it's been a kind of a, a stretch to get the people. But as we continue to grow both programs and then also, like Wayne said, our Super Trofeo program, going from you know an average of 20 to, to 30 people up upwards of 80 to 100 people, uh, and that doesn't include some of the staff we have coming to the racetrack. So well, like Wayne said, over 100 people at the racetrack. Trying to get the right people that fit into the Wayne Taylor racing culture has been interesting. When Wayne and Max started the program back in 2007, uh, end of 2006, actually, with Wayne Taylor racing, we kind of wanted to develop this culture of a, a family environment. So not only have we been trying to hire people that could do the job and, and present us well and, and put together good race cars, but also fit into the culture that we've tried to develop over the last few years. And so for, for my side, it's been interesting to interview hundreds of people from, from different aspects of motorsports. But the other thing with Wayne Taylor Racing that's created and, and uh, our relationship with Andretti is we've been able to 
open up the door to some people from the UK that came over. And because we run Trofeo and we run GTD and the GTP, we can, we can hire ranges of people from just coming out of school that want to get their start into racing um, to uh, seasoned engineers and mechanics that have been around for the last 20 years. Uh, and that's what we kind of tried to develop with Wayne Tayo Racing was the, the whole aspect and the whole dynamic of our program is bringing in people into the sport but also being able to take some of the seasoned seasoned veterans and and their experience, and and be performing on track too, but uh, the numbers are crazy when you look at our timing stand and 50 people out on the timing stand on just two cars, and you've got 75 people running around between the garage and timing stand, and when you walk through our shop now, before you had time to stop and talk to everybody, and now now you're you're looking for time to stop and talk to everybody. Wayne and I walked through the shop last week and. The amount of people that uh, would it take us, Wayne, probably an hour just to walk through and just just talk to everybody that day. Yeah, probably the hardest part at the moment is trying to remember who's who. We're having <laughs> difficulty remembering the names of the mechanics. So I hope they're listening to this and it's not meant to be like that. It's just that it's grown so fast, so short. And there's just you look at one guy and you go, I can't remember who you are. Which car do you work on? But um, as, as uh, Travis said, you know, we've created this sort of ladder system, not only for drivers, but also for mechanics and stuff that can come in early on the Lamborghinis and then grow into the GTD program and then hopefully to the GTP program. Going back to, and I want to hit the culture because I think that's a really interesting aspect of how they fit into the Wayne Taylor racing culture. But going back to the numbers, like how does 2024 Rolex 24 compare to past Rolex 24s in terms of size and manpower for Wayne Taylor racing? When you guys started in 2007, I mean, did you have 20 or 30 people, you know, when you win the Rolex 24 five, six years ago, and now it's more than triple that? You would think that going from one car to three cars, would be as simple as just tripling numbers. But honestly, it's been more than that because as we went into the, the GTP class, it requires more people to run the GTP cars than the previous eras of DPI. Uh, and GTD has also grown to the point where it runs similar to what the, the previous DPI did. So when we would go to, you know, between 17, 2017 and 2022, I would say, we would average around 30 people or so to run the one car. And that was not all full-time staff, that was contractors. Now going into this event and being between 85 and over 100 people, if you include all of the uh, extra people we've had to add just to just to run tires, you know, tires to run the three programs, we'll have around 20 to 25 people just dealing with tires and mounting and balancing and moving things around for the course of the 24-hour race. Because honestly, the 24-hour race ends up being about 42 hours of, of people working from the start of Saturday to the end of uh, end of Sunday or time we get back. So. It hasn't just been a triple. It's uh, we, we've gone way above that, but it's uh, there's just a lot of different aspects we've had to cover with personnel that we didn't have to in the past. Wayne, what's it been like as as the leader, as the the man whose name is on the title here? You know, you, you joked about it, having to learn all these different names. Is it more difficult for you to sort of be that leader when you don't know as many people? You know, it's always been such a tight knit. It feels like it's always been sort of more of a family atmosphere and you can kind of keep your arms around it more. How do you maintain that leadership while having all this extra staff? Well, you know, the one thing that I, I did learn over the years is that you have to delegate. And um, Travis, being my VP, is really 100% um, up to speed. And we probably work closer now than we've ever done, where both of us every day is making decisions and deciding which way to go. And then we've also got a technical director, Brian Piller, you know, looks after that part of the organization. So I think it's just basically come down to delegating and Travis and uh, Brian have certainly done a great job in putting all this together. But there are times when I think to myself, where I'm such a um, hands-on freak that I have to sometimes let go. And when I went up to the shop this last week, and as Travis was saying what the shop's like, I just looked in the shop and thought, oh, my God, it's probably best I just go home because I didn't know where I was going to fit in and who to tell what to do because everybody was working flat out. But then again, there's, you know, there's another part of it that's uh, very personal to me, obviously, is that both my sons have been hired. The hard part is they'll be in separate cars, whereas before 
back in 2017, we won everything together with them. Now they're going to be um, on two different cars. Um, so that's going to be exciting to watch. But really and truly, you're correct. It's very, it can be very easy to lose control of something like this, both from the standpoint of maybe having a wrong person put into, into one spot instead of moving them into a different spot. And then there's the, you know, the hottest spot is controlling and looking after the budget because you're now suddenly gone from 10 million to 30, 40 million. It just gets bigger and bigger and so fast. And especially building up for one of the hottest races in the world, which is the Daytona 24 hour. But our track record and the guys on the program know the event so well. So actually I'm more relaxed than I thought I'd be, but you probably shouldn't speak to me in this time next week because I'll be probably out of control. Yeah, once you hit the racetrack, chaos. And I must say, and I must say also, obviously, you know, with our relationship with Andretti, we've been able to um, lean on them when it comes to people and machinery and stuff like that, you know, which we didn't have um, access to over the last couple of years. So, you know, the the, the partnership is working really well. And um, I would say that um, at the end of the day, if I had to turn to anybody on any time of the day or on the weekend, it would be Travis. He's pretty got, he's pretty well organized and got his hands around both. Well, he certainly looks like it and he sounds like it. he might be bullshitting me, but <laughs> I, think, I think he's got it. I think he's got it under control. So, I, you know, so I'm just there as a figurehead, really. Well, he's been around for what, almost 20 years. So I'm sure you have some faith in his ability there. Travis talked, Wayne, about how it's about finding the right fit with the culture of Wayne Taylor Racing. When I think about Wayne Taylor Racing, I think about a tight ship, an efficient team, a scrappy team that is able to outrun bigger powerhouse teams. Is that is that a fair description of how you would describe your team's culture? What is the culture of Wayne Taylor Racing to Wayne Taylor? I think the easiest thing to say is since we started, it's we've wanted to do a lot with a little. Hiring the right people and putting the right people in the right places, like, like Wayne said. Uh, and as we've grown, we've had to create more rules and a, and a stronger infrastructure. But the culture is to do to to compete at the top level of everything that we do, but do it in a way where we're still a small, tight knit, close family team. Um, and finding the people to do that is is a challenge because the Wayne has always put it into all of our heads that uh, everything has to look right, everything has to perform right, and at the end of the day, we we can't win every race, but we need to be there to win every race. And um, when we can't win races, we need to look the part as well when we're representing as many people as we have. And we've been lucky enough over the years to, to have partnerships with some of the top manufacturers and some of the top corporations in, in the U.S. And that all comes down to the, the values and, and stuff that Wayne's instilled in us since we started in 2006. So when part of the our hiring process is a lot of it is discussions on, you know, how, you know, appearances of things and and the attention to detail on stuff and building a race car, uh, there, there's books, there's manuals for everything, but building a race car, there's not, right? It's all attention to detail. And that attention to detail is what keeps us in, in the races, but it keeps us looking better than everybody else while we're doing it. You know, I look at the timing stand that we just, we just bought and you would think that you buy something, an asset of that value, it would come into the shop and it should be ready to go. But we've had, probably six weeks straight of at least 10 to 12 people daily, just making that into a Wayne Taylor racing piece. And what I mean by that is it does the things that we need it to do, but it looks how we need it to look. So when we show up to Daytona, everybody knows that that that's the core value of Wayne Taylor racing. That's, that's something that they put their heart and soul in and everybody that we bring on board, you know, our biggest thing is take some ownership into the company. Like this is, Everybody should have a piece. And if everybody feels like they're part of the ownership of this, we're going to succeed. And the partnership with Andretti, like Wayne said, has been great because we've been able to pull some people from IndyCar and bring some of that knowledge from the other platforms in and, and try to try to make things better for us. But that's probably the, the biggest thing in the culture is do a lot with a little and, and uh, make sure everybody feels like they're part of the family. Wayne, what's your perspective on that culture? And did you have any concerns about, you know, like you said, like Travis has said, it's about doing a lot with a little, but now you've got even more people, a lot of people. So how do you maintain that tight knit, that detail oriented culture with more people? Well, I think the probably the most important part is if you 
look back at my career, both as a driver and now as an owner, I've always been in a position where I've realized that without corporate sponsorships, you don't go very far these days. Although now with the new LMDH program, the manufacturers have taken over control of the teams in terms of they spending probably the most and the most technical resources, but we still need to bring out our um, core partners that we've had for you know 10 years to be part of this because you, you can never have enough money in the sport because somebody will always do something better and then you'll want to be at that point. And from my standpoint, I always want to be recognized as the best presented team at the track, the best presented when we have to go and sit in a boardroom and sell sponsorship or sell uh, B2B relationships. And then thirdly, in any form of motorsport, you can't say what we can say, and that is we can't guarantee a win, but we can guarantee that we'll be racing for a win. And you can't really do that in any other, any other forms of, of, of uh, racing. And that can be come down to the fact that our numbers are not as big as everybody else, but it is a core part of our business. And, and for me, you know, the guys probably want to kill me because the first thing I do when I get the track is want to make sure that the countertops are clean and the carpets are, are clean and, the, and that the whole presentation, you know, looks like these guys are on top of everything. And, um, I guess I've always used Roger Penske's organization as somebody for us to, to aspire to be. And I think, um, our guys have really stepped up and now if you come this weekend to Daytona, I think you'll see, um, a pretty good organization and well-managed and well-run. Wayne, I did an interview with Calvin Fish last week, and he was telling me that you flew up to Indianapolis to go to the shop from Florida just to ensure the decals were spaced correctly on the cars. Is that kind of what you were just talking about there? Is that what it takes to kind of maintain that championship-level DNA that you see in Penske and you see in your organization to, as you scale up, you maintain that vision? Oh, there's no doubt about it. I think it drives everybody mad, including Travis. <laughs> and they say, you know, I don't think you should probably come up. I think we've got it. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm coming up, Travis. Okay, no, I'm not saying you don't <laughs> come up. No, no, just come on, come on up. Yeah, it was a long day. You know, I left home at 4.30 in the morning and got back home at midnight that night. But I like to, I like to put my fingers on that side of the, you know, everything so that I know it's 100%. And the company that we use, um, Shadow Graphics, both Jason and Darren have been with us for many, many years and have done an outstanding job. But there's always, you know, the thing about is the decal one millimeter too low on the right? And it, is it straight? Is it parallel to the ground? So, yeah, attention to detail for me is everything. And I think the team have grown into that. And Travis certainly knows what my um, requirements are and, and everybody. So, yeah, that's true. Travis, what's it like to work for Wayne and, and have that level of making sure the decals are, are the right millimeter off from each other offset? <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to discuss what it's like working for Wayne. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, you know, I think speaking for myself over the last oh, 20 years that we've been together, picking up on the importance of some of that stuff uh, as coming up through the ranks in motorsports and some of my background, it's been very good to understand why we do that. And I think, you know, Wayne's attention to detail when he comes up and looks at the cars, it's two things. It's his involvement in that and understanding to the partners and the rest of the team that he does see and does care about everything I have going on. But two, it's his ability to talk to the guys that are actually doing the work and let them know that it is appreciated that, you know, the extra time and effort they're putting into it and just that visibility of things. And it helps me to instill that in the rest of the team when they know that they're seeing the vision from, from both Wayne and myself and everybody else is it's the same thing. It's when you look at something, if it doesn't look right, let's fix it now. You know, if Wayne sees it and it's going to, you know, he's going to say something about it, then we need to address it before that. And I think that's one of the the biggest things that uh, I've I've learned and adapted from Wayne is that attention to detail and looking at things from a 50,000 foot view instead of what's in front of you to get the job done. So it's 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 been a, a good 20 years. And following up on the expansion of staff, Travis, where Wayne was talking about how Andretti has helped you guys, 
I think you said you talked to hundreds of people. Yep. The narrative in racing now is it's so hard to find good people. So how do you thread that needle of making sure you find those good people who meet the team when the, the talent pool, it seems like there's a dearth a little bit of that right now and be able to find those right people. Then does Andretti help you meet that gap? You're 100% right on there's a shortage of, of people in our industry. We started to recognize that back in 2015 and 2016 when we started the Lamborghini program uh, with the goal of that of bringing in younger mechanics, younger engineers, um, and people that we could not only teach the sport, but teach the, the Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti way, if you will. So that has been a huge help to us is just being able, we've probably 70% of the people that we had in, in uh, our Super Trail program have moved into GTD or into GTP. So that side of our business has, has worked really well. Working with the Andretti side, the, we've, we've had, had a longer reach. Our arm has been a little bit longer. Um, that's, we reached in, like I mentioned before, we reached into some NASCAR world and have a couple guys from NASCAR in. Uh, it allowed us to actually hire some people before we needed them. So there's people that we started hiring uh, over 18 months ago that you know helped work at the Andretti shop to get some stuff going and with the intent of moving over to, to Wayne Taylor Racing. As you interview hundreds of people uh, and you understand the shortfall that we do have in the industry, it opens your eyes of how do we make motorsports back to where it was 15 years ago where people wanted to come in the sport? And how do we make motorsports something that's exciting? And one of the things that I probably say to everybody I interview is if you look at uh, you know, corporate America or you look at any other job that you may have, one of the things that I believe everybody likes to have with, with work is, is gratification and seeing results to their work. And that's one thing that motorsports does well is the start of the race never changes and the end of the race never changes. So if you're running a 24-hour race or a 100-minute race, you get to see the results of your work and it's at a certain point every time. You can't get any closer to instant gratification than that. So part of what when we're interviewing people, it's that falls back into that culture of do the job, do the job well, and you'll see those results. You don't have to wait for 25 years to see what you did in your career. You can see it at the end of an event. It's challenging, but it's interesting meeting so many people to see the different dynamic of of the interest in motorsport. And I, Wayne, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last two years, we've probably started to see a little bit more interest in people wanting to get involved in the sport. I think a lot of that relates to some of the manufacturers have been reaching out to the younger demographic and, and putting things back out there again, but it's a challenge. Wayne, you pride yourself on quality control. We did an interview with you at NBC Sports after you won the 2021 Rolex 24, and you talked about how pit stops are for four tires and fuel and driver changes. We never want to make a pit stop for a mechanical problem. As you expand to like a second GTP car, can you maintain those same high standards and just expect that everything will just be tip top and those pit stops will always just be for service for maintenance? Or do you or do you give yourself some leeway at the outset that maybe you can't be as perfect as you've been in the past with your durability and reliability of the cars? No, we have to be perfect. And um, that really the biggest thing that um, you forget is that, you know, for Daytona in, in the old days, certainly when I was still driving and when I uh, happened to win the 24 hour, we were running with three drivers. Nowadays, you've got to run with four because the races are like sprint races and very seldom do cars break. But just remember that dealing with drivers, when I was a driver, I thought I was the most important person on the team. And now that I'm in the ownership role, drivers are probably the least important. But we do know one thing, that at the end of the day, we've got to hire drivers that understand um, from us what they should be doing, how to stay calm and be there on Sunday morning so that we can then decide who we're going to put in to finish the race. As far as um, both cars coming in and tie changes, I always say, you know, what we need to do is you come in, change tires, drivers, fuel and leave. If you come in for anything else, you're going to lose. Um, I think our guys have taken the initiative of practicing this over and over again. And there's going to be glitches. It's the first time out for everybody. There's going to be a, a mistake here and there. It's just, it's just the human side of stuff. You know, people do make mistakes. But certainly, um, the other good thing is when I walked around the shop and I saw the smiles on everybody's face, 
and the excitement of them being here is just really um, a tribute to, you know, the WTR and really global thing, you know, led basically by Travis and Brian, you know, as Travis saw, you know, I really nowadays look at it from, from that 50,000 feet, but dealing with 12 drivers is hard, but they are taking the initiative to understand that pit stops make a big change in the, in the um, overall results. As you talk about managing those drivers, Wayne, you know, like you said, now you've got eight in GTP. I know Jordan knows the plan in, in joining your team. I know Louis Delatraz like has the experience from last year, but having big name star personalities, reputations like Jensen Button, Marcus Erickson, Colton Herta, how do you manage that? How do you bring them in and make it all work seamlessly? Oh, that's very simple. You deal with every one of them exactly the same. The, uh, the, and the good thing is when you when you when you're deciding who's you going to put on the team, you've got to look at firstly his speed and what experience does he have, and is he a guy that's going to bring something to the party? And the one thing that we really look at carefully is we do not want anybody to come onto this team who want to prove to us that they're the quickest, because as I said to them in the beginning. Listen, you were hired because of what you do and how fast you are. So there's nothing more that you need to prove to us. The only thing you need to prove to us is that you can do what we ask you to do. And that is, if you have to lose 10 seconds a lap because you get stuck behind a GD car, I don't expect you to try and make up that 10 seconds. It's a long race and a lot of things happen. And this year, I think it's going to probably be one of the most difficult 24 hours that we've ever seen because we've just got so many cars. And the days of the the very wealthy entrepreneur guys that are running in the lower classes is sort of fading away because manufacturers want um you know want professional drivers in these cars and they're not going to invest in a team when there's a very wealthy guy running running a car because the company will say well why should we be putting our money onto this car when the owner can afford to do it himself and secondly your drivers are going to be absolutely perfect and guys with experience and we've been absolutely fortunate over the years of every time we've hired people we've never Travis you can tell me if I'm right or wrong but I don't think we've ever actually hired anybody that hasn't really stepped up to the plate and and done his job Travis if I get you to follow up on on that and also I know what Wayne's saying that you want to treat everybody the same but when you have a Formula One champion an Indy, Indy 500 winner an IndyCar superstar how do you manage all of that I think Wayne hit the nail on the head. It's it goes back to the culture that we have within Wayne Taylor Racing and Ready is everybody is the same. Doesn't matter where the driver comes from or the history. Our goal is to our our goal and our same outlook is is the same. We're there to win races. We're there to be represent our our sponsors and our partners. Um, so everybody has to be treated the same. The the biggest difference to manage is the the people aspect because when you do bring drivers in you tend to have a lot more attention you tend to have a lot more people that want to to come around the garage so working with the crew and, and the mechanics to let them understand that we have to open that door up a bit because that's who we are and we want to make sure we engage with everybody but it creates a little bit more not chaos but a little bit more of a interesting dynamic when you have lines of people all the way out the paddock to to come talk to to one of the drivers uh, from f1 or uh, back when we had jeff gordon uh, but from the management aspect of it from engineering i know brian is is very good with engineering on he treats every driver the same takes every every piece of information from all of them but he's probably got the most difficult job of taking information from four drivers per car and setting the tone and saying okay we can't make a perfect car for each driver. We got to make a perfect car for four drivers. And we've got to take the, 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 like you mentioned, the, the big name driver out of the equation and put it together to make the best car. On that engineering side of things, Alexander Rossi, I thought, said something really interesting after he won the Rolex 24 with you guys in 2021. He said that he felt like the Wayne Taylor Racing secret weapon was that its engineering department was so efficient and small. Like it's three people versus in other bigger teams, there's all this delegation and it's spread out of, over all these different departments. Whereas Wayne Taylor Racing can be nimble and react quickly to making changes off what driver says and making adjustments. 
have you strategized that at all? Does that get more difficult when you have the extra car and you have so many more drivers whose opinions and input you're trying to take in? No, it stays the same. Um, where we added more engineers is to get basically more support for the guys that are making the decisions. So uh, the drivers have more uh, access to resources. We have more engineering that's able to look and scrutinize the data. But as far as the general operations, it's feed the core group of guys that information and let them make the decisions. Uh, we've got to be fast. We've got to be nimble. We've got to be able to make decisions on our feet. We can't spend a whole lot of time thinking about things for you know, two hours before a decision is made because that also dribbles down into the crew and building the car. And part of the thing that, and Wayne touched on this before, of we have to be perfect is we don't have to say that to our guys because the guys on our team and and gals on our team, they know the stats better than Wayne and I do. They know how many races they've gone without a DNF. They know how many laps that we've gone without having a failure. They know how many pit stops they've won. So they're, they're bought into it. And part of that being nimble and engineering, making decisions and taking that from the drivers is getting it down to the guys that are working on the car so that they have the time to prepare a race car that can go on the track and win. So I, I don't think we change anything with the amount of people that we have. And I don't think it changes with the amount of engineering because that'll change the way we have, have been able to obtain the results that we have. Any thoughts on that, Wayne? No, I think I think Travis is spot on, but I, I do have to say one thing is that I don't think there's any other teams out there, and I could be wrong, where when you select your drivers, that you select a group of people that quite honestly, I've never seen this before. Well, let's just take uh, Philippe Albuquerque and Ricky, for, for example. They'll go to each race. And it doesn't matter what Travis, Brian, and I say. They will decide amongst each other who they think is going to be better at qualifying, who they think is going to be better at finishing. And so you've got this working group of drivers outside of us that which is unheard of because everybody wants to get in the car. Everybody wants to show that they're competitive. Everybody wants to show how fast they get through traffic and all these kinds of things. But I being a driver has helped me sort of um, feed this information into these drivers. And the one thing for me is I've always been a racer and I am still the biggest fan of racing drivers. So it's pretty weird when we have all these big names that are coming in and talking to me, I think to myself, I got to sort of pinch myself thinking, God, you guys have done so much. And then you're asking me questions, but it's, it's just amazing how this group in such a short period of time, um, have got on with each other and are texting each other and are sharing data with each other. And so far, there's been absolutely nobody that cares who's going to be the driver that wins. It's all about the team. And that's installed to us also very much by Acura and, and HRC, because obviously they are the big partner that provide the car and all the technical resources and everything to do with the hybrid system. And they also fill our, our timing stand with loads and loads of people. So when I was up at, with Travis doing detail on the car, Ricky and Jordan, and I can't remember who was there the day before, they were they spent two days on three days on HPD simulator. And so it's constant. It's not the drivers today are not like when I was driving. They are used way more than before. And um, quite honestly, some of the stuff that they discuss, if I don't give a comment, it's because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And um, But there are certain things that I do comment about, and that is just the overall basic rules that I think it takes to win a 24. I do have some questions about Acura, which I want to get to, but I just want to follow up on what you were saying about the drivers working together so cohesively, Wayne. Do you take some personal pride in that as well some responsibility because a quarter of this driving lineup i mean you raised them ricky and jordan i'm sure like help instill like yeah. your, your beliefs how does that play into it that they're not just your drivers they're your sons yeah you know i try and um because they don't like to be there thinking it's their dad's team so now with the partnership with Andretti, 
they can feel like they're driving with a bigger name than their dads. And so they somewhat are the only ones that give me a hard time. But when it comes down to Jensen Button and Marcus and Colton and Delictraz and stuff, uh, these guys are just really, really fantastic. And I can say anything to them and they, you, you can see when I'm talking to them, they are really listening intently, not saying, oh, who's this old guy trying to tell us how to drive, you know? And, um, and that's what's been the beauty of all of this. And I can also leave now that there's eight of them on the GDP and another four on the GDD, I can leave them together in the engineering room and they just automatically work on looking at each other's data. You won't find any of our drivers walking around the pits all the time like you do with other teams. We have them sitting in the truck and working on how they can make each other better. That's really what, what wins these races, you know, at the end of the day, barring any sort of mechanical failure, is basically in the hands of the drivers. And, um, and they know that. So we've been fortunate with all the drivers we've had in the past. And I think this year, we probably have one of the strongest lineups. You mentioned Acura. I'll start with Travis on this. I, they're going for four in a row, Acura and, and Honda, of course. You're now the manufacturer's lone hope for the overall title, but you're, you have double the chances with the second car. Is it easier to leverage all of Honda and Acura's resources without having to worry about cooperating and sharing, working with another team? Do you anticipate this will be a, a little bit of an edge or an advantage for you this year? Yeah, I think anytime that you bring everything uh, underneath one roof, it, it makes things easier. Uh, and it would go back into that uh, decision-making and, and making things uh, in a timely fashion. Uh, I think when you look at the team that Acura has put together, uh, especially over the last three years and even more so now, they bring so much to the table for our, our cars and so much engineering knowledge that um, putting that all together and under one team that can utilize both cars, uh, I don't I don't think it gets any better than that. You know, it's still it's still new to us to have the two cars, um, but I think what what we do have that's different from a lot of other two car teams is. Acura did have the chance to run a car with us and a car with our team last year. So anytime you can do that, you can learn things. And all of those things that they 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 have learned over the last couple of years between two different teams have now come together under one roof. And I think it gives us the ability to take both cars, put them in a position to at the end of 24-hour race to figure out how do we take the advantage of all of that. Wayne, you gave Acura their first Rolex 24 win in 2021. Can you cap it here with four in a row on the other side? Yeah, I'm. we had such a long-term relationship with Cadillac, and we won in 2017, and then we won again in 2019 in the Cadillac, and then we won 2020 in the Cadillac. So that was three. And then we got given the cars that Penske had for the whole season uh, previously, and we rebuilt them and went into Daytona using Helio Castroneves and Ricky, who had come from Penske, they all came back to us. And winning that straight out of the box um, was a big deal to HPD and to Acura, because that was, although they'd won championships, the big thing they want to win, as any car manufacturer want to win, is the 24 hours of Daytona. So, um, you know, like I say, it's not really rocket science uh when it comes to running these cars it's it's preparation it's dedication it's vision it's passion and everybody there's one goal and that goal is to win and that you know spreads through the through the team and also through the sponsors and the partners as in acura and hrc you know they've i think they've seen now that running a two-car team under one roof is a bigger advantage because you can use both resources when any manufacturer has two cars and they're separated by the teams you know the first thing that happens is each team wants to beat the other one so they become in their eyes the lead team for the manufacturer and that's not the most healthy thing um as we as we've experienced but um now we've got what we wanted to have a long time ago and so we've achieved that and i'm grateful to everybody on the team hrc and acura all the staff all our partners 
there's never a time that if you want to call the CEO of the company, they pick up the phone and call and, and answer, or they send you a text or call you back. So it's a very deeply knitted organization. So we have Winter Racing and Ready Global, and then we have HRC and Acura. But really, when it comes to the race, we all like this. That's a, a pretty difficult thing to achieve in our business, considering I've been doing this for like 52 years. I've never, I've never seen this before. I know some manufacturers, you know, partner with teams, but then when they get the track, they want to run the car, but the team wants to run the car, and there's, you know, it's just never completely um, clear as to who's running the car. Whereas with our relationship, once the race weekend starts, you know, once the race starts, we run the program and they're there to support us and give us what else we need. I have one more for you. When I look at this team, I'll start with Travis on this. When I look at this team, I look at the team that seems to really embrace challenges. I mean, we mentioned the switch to Acura. You know, last year there was, I know everybody went through it, but the switch over from DPI to the GTB LMDH cars. Now this year you're adding a second car. It just seems like every year there's a new challenge for Wayne Taylor Racing. Is is the next one? I know that the Andretti Global shop, that new big headquarters, is on the horizon. Is that maybe the next big challenge for this team? Is is even more fully integrating into Andretti Global and and making that move in Indianapolis? So right now we're really just focused on the challenges at hand. Uh, <laughs> where where we're going in the next eighteen months or so is is yet to be seen uh, as far as uh, the growth of the company, but. Uh, you're right, and then it actually gets spoken about a lot amongst uh, amongst the staff and the, and the team. Is we get to a point uh, as a company where we think, okay, we're gonna this is gonna be a normal year, and and we end up adding something to it, and we add a second GTP car, and we add a GTD car, or we're at six Lamborghinis and uh, in Trofeo. So you want to you want to say, yeah, okay, guys, let's just get through this year, and then we'll have a, a nice calm year and just run this out, but it's just never happened that way. And everybody buys into that because you have that next step to look forward to. So once we get through Daytona and and probably through Sebring and we have, you know, when we go to Sebring, we're going to have, uh, I did the math the other day. I think it's almost like 250 or 275 feet of paddock space with all of our transporters for all of our programs since Sebring will have everything there. Uh, and once we, we set that and we get that, that's kind of the, the culmination of here's what we did this last off season. Here's our 10 transporters and our hundred people and our 275 feet in the paddock. Now what's the next challenge? And is that next challenge, uh, how we integrate with the, the new Andretti facility is that challenge, uh, you know, a second GTD car is that challenge moving up and, and carrying on the championship. So, um, there's a lot of things that we're, we're kind of on a month by month basis right now, I think is the best way to put it. Wayne, is that part of the key to the success? There's no normal years. There's always a big challenge lurking for your team. Yeah, it never ends. You know, we um, we continuously work and see what's available in the industry and uh, try and grow this program. The one thing I forgot to say is that when it comes to delegation, and, and I mentioned Travis and I mentioned Brian as senior management of, of running a program, the one thing we should never underestimate is we've got guys like Chris Seaman and Chris Bennett that have been with us since we started. And they've also been there when both my kids had just started. So there's a lot of emotional factor where this group is now all together. And I can't say enough about Chris, who's now the crew chief over two cars and Chris Seaman, that's Chris Bennett and Chris Seaman, you know, on the 10 car. You know, these guys take it personally, like Travis and Brian and I, more so than anybody. And quite honestly, the work that they put in and watching them through a 24 hour, I keep thinking I could never do that. It's just unbelievable that we've been able to set a tone to have so many people. And one of the difficult parts is that the moment there's a problem, everybody just looks straight at me and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> is he going to lose interest now? What do I have to do to make him happy? What, you know, what, what's going on? But in truth, that's one of the reasons why you want to build a team to be bigger 
so that there's more people that can take responsibility and, and let it all come up and they can solve their problems and then move it up to Travis and me and Brian. I remember visiting GM many years ago and the CEO of GM said, you know, we're trying to run a big company like a small company. And the beauty of that is that we don't have to have a meeting and have a meeting about the meeting. You know, we can have very short meetings and plus the teams, the way Travis has put them together, each team basically is on its own to a certain degree and they can resolve their problems amongst themselves rather than having another meeting and putting everybody in. So we want to still try and run the way we have from, from the outset. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for making time, Wayne and Travis. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nate. Thank you. Our thanks again to Wayne Taylor and Travis Hogue for joining us. And thanks to Megan Barnhart and Krista Riley of Wayne Taylor Racing Andretti for helping coordinate the interview. The Rolex 24 at Daytona will be taking place January 27th to 28th at Daytona International Speedway. For information on how to watch on NBC and Peacock, you can go to NBCSports.com motors. We'll have schedule information there as well as results, entry lists, the starting lineup, and features about the race. That's at NBCSports.com motors. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.